Hello sisters, it is Ola Davis with another episode of the When Marriage Hurts podcast. This is episode number 63 and today I just want to talk about how how marriage books set us up for abuse. How and when I say marriage books I'm Today I'm specifically talking about Christian marriage books because I have read a lot of marriage books in my life, in my short life. (laughs) I've read a lot of marriage books, but they've almost always been Christian books. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've paid attention to marriage books that were not authored or brand, you know, authored by a Christian or branded as Christian or faith-based, whatever you want to call it. So that's what I want to talk about today and how those books tend to set us up for abuse. Yeah, that might be a shocker to you. Um... But if you are someone who's looked to Christian authored marriage books for help on your marriage, then maybe the things I'm going to talk about on this episode would kind of resonate with you. You may not have thought about it as conditioning you for abuse, but when you begin to take a closer look, you will see that it's conditioned you for abuse. Um, And I'm going to talk in general terms, and I might also mention titles of books that really you might have read before, or maybe you haven't. It really doesn't matter. You know, (laughs) Um, my experience with these books is that if you've read three of them you've probably read 10 like it's they tend to churn out the same ideas and twist scriptures and stuff so yeah let's dive right into it christian marriage books um you know at first glance it usually looks like they are like bible based right but there's such a thing as supporting a wrong idea with bible verses (laughs) otherwise known as twisting scriptures now i don't think i've ever read um and i know i said this is about christian marriage books but i'm gonna i'm gonna also talk about christian books that Maybe they're not necessarily on marriage or they're not branded as for marriage. They might just be like branded as, you know, Christian books for women, that kind of thing. Because you would notice that a lot of Christian books, you have more Christian books written for women than you have written for men, which, you know, I'm not even going to unpack that today. there's there's a reason for that um yeah so whether the book is branded as for christian marriage or for christian women 
it's kind of like the same idea so these books tell us they they make sure to instill in us the idea that a husband is the husband is not your equal in status in the marriage so they already create this idea that there is an hierarchy in marriage and if you go against that hierarchy you're essentially rebellious towards God or you're not obeying God or something like that right and if you're listening to this and you're like what in the world is Allah talking about isn't my husband supposed to be the leader of our marriage of our home um I would encourage you to go check out the earlier episodes of the podcast where I where I specifically um discuss this topic. So specifically if you go back to episode 5, I think the title is is a husband superior to his wife. I think I actually did like a three-part series on that one. Is a husband superior to his wife? Part one, part two, part three. So if you go check out episodes five, six, and seven, um, I kind of dive deep into that topic in those, uh, in those three episodes, um, and we go into scriptures and see what God has to say about that. Okay. Yeah, so I'll keep it moving. Now, they they try to program our minds to believe that your husband is indeed superior to you or, you know, if if there are books that have been authored in the past few years, you know, not the old ones like the ones written in the last 5 to maybe 10 years, they would say things like Ah, uh, your the husband isn't superior; is the servant leader. Like they would say it in such a way that sounds really, you know, holy and non-condescending, right? They would, you know, put in all the what I like to call Christianese and say, "Oh, it's the servant leader and this and that," but ultimately. What they are still doing is establishing that there's some kind of hierarchy in marriage, which <laughs> I don't know. Which I mean, that hierarchy wasn't put in place by God, so I think that's something that the church put in place by itself, really. And if you don't agree, just listen to episode five, six, and seven, and you know, let check back in and let's see if we agree on that. So they established this hierarchy, either stylishly or non-stylishly, right? Um, and then they begin to build upon that idea where they say things like, "Oh, the husband is supposed to love his wife, uh, but the wife has to make sure she respects him." And then it's not like. There's something inherently wrong with that, right? Because <laughs> you know the the 
thing about truth is that truth can be very dangerous and harmful depending on how you position it. So if you're telling someone a half truth, that's really not the same thing as telling them the truth. So if you're telling someone that, oh, as a woman, you're supposed to respect your husband, but he is supposed to love you. That's all well and good. That's different from when you're painting the picture that the only thing a husband has to do is love his wife. He doesn't need to respect her. And the only thing a wife has to do is respect her husband. She doesn't need to love him. Now, you see, that's something completely different, right? <laughs> that's that's not the same idea. It kind of sounds alike, but it's completely different ideas being presented. And what these books typically present is the fact that if you just respect your husband, you will be doing God's work and that's what God really requires of you. And if you just, you just need to submit, you just need to submit as long as what your husband is asking you to do is not a sin, then you have to submit. My dear, that's not, you know, it's <laughs> when you begin to deprogram your mind from this kind of beliefs. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with you, but when I began to deprogram my mind from this kind of beliefs, I started to see how stupid this was. I started to see that the only way I could have believed this in the first place was via religious brainwashing. Because... Any reasonable person would know that as human beings, we all need love. We all need to be respected. It has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with your sex, what your sex organs look like. Even children want to be respected. We all want have a need to be loved and respected. You really need the help of some religious leader or Christian author to come to get that mixed up for you really to convince you that as a woman what you need is love you don't need to be respected that's a whole pile of crap right and this idea that you have to submit no matter what because that's how God wants it even if your husband isn't behaving himself, you have to, your, your, your role is to submit and his, his role is to lead. You know, when I started deprogramming my mind and started thinking about this, I started thinking, well, when you have a relationship where someone is doing all the submitting and the other person never submits and they just lead 100% of the time, not only is there hierarchy, there isn't, that's not partnership. There is no such thing as partnership where submission only goes one way and not both ways. But these books, they push this idea and they're like, you know, this is what God has ordained in his infinite wisdom. So you read this in books, you hear this in church over and over and over and over again. 
and it just begins to establish itself in your mind as the truth. Because these people cherry pick Bible verses to support this kind of argument. But when I started going into the Bible to do a study for myself, there was nothing to suggest to me that submission was supposed to be one way only. I, I, like I read Ephesians 5 and it talks about mutual submission. It says as believers, we should submit to one another. Now, does getting married nullify that? No, it doesn't. You don't become your status as a Christian doesn't somehow change because you're now married. Marriage doesn't erase you, erase who you are as a Christian. Now, let me give you another idea that is, that is usually pushed by Christian marriage books. Another idea is this whole thing about, oh, the husband is the leader and so he is the spiritual leader, is the priest of the home. I'm telling you, I don't know who started this rumor, <laughs> which later grew into like a doctrine about the husband being the spiritual leader of a home. But I challenge you to try and find this in the Bible and you're just not going to find it. Now, some people might be like, well, but doesn't the Bible say that, you know, as Christ is the head of the church and now you can draw, um, inferences from that, but there's nothing in there that suggests that a husband and father is the priest of the home. No such thing. Because the Bible says that in Christ, there's no male, there's no female. You understand what I mean? There's no male or, or female. He says we are, the Bible says we are a royal priesthood, is what the Bible says. And when the Bible says we are a royal priesthood, it's not making any distinction between whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a boy or a girl. What the Bible says is that we are royalty and we are also, you know, members of the priesthood. So when they say that a husband is the spiritual, is the priest of his home. Now, what does that make the wife? As a woman, you know, as somebody that the Bible has called a royal priesthood. Do you lose your priesthood in Christ just because you got married? And as a single woman who isn't married, does that mean that you don't have any kind of, um, does that mean that spiritually you're kind of inferior because you don't, you're not married to a man who's going to stand as your, priest i mean when you begin to pull apart these beliefs you begin to see how ridiculous it is 
every single one of us as Christians, Jesus is our high priest. You know, so you have a high priest that kind of presides over priests. So we are we all form this part this we all form this royal priesthood and Jesus is our high priest. That's what the structure looks like. It's not like oh there's a group of married women and then their husbands are the priests and then Jesus is the, no no there's nothing in the bible that teaches that or even remotely suggests that. Now you might start wondering what does all of this have to do with abusive marriages, right? These ideas that I'm kind of pulling out from, from Christian books. Now, let's face it. For a lot of us, the reason why we let ourselves be maltreated for so long is because we believe this lies. Think about it. If you've always, if you went into marriage and you were married for many years, believing that you and your husband were equal partners. Think about it. Do you think you would have, you would have like let yourself be treated the way you were? Probably not. I mean, how many of us have friends that treat us as badly as our husbands treat us? Probably not many. Even if you have maybe one or two friends that treat you that way. You probably stay away from them, right? Because in friendship, you you kind of have this idea that you and the person, you know, you're sort of equals, right? But once you get the idea into your head that in marriage you're not equals and your husband is the leader and all of these things, it kind of positions you in such a way that you're willing to take more crap from them because you begin to see it as your Christian duty, right? You begin to see it as your Christian duty to take crap from your abusive spouse. When it's been so ingrained into you that your husband doesn't owe you respect, he just needs to love you. When you're disrespected in your marriage, it doesn't seem like a big deal because it's, it's already been ingrained in you. You've already been taught for so long that God never intended for your husband to respect you, right? So you see how these things kind of make us the perfect abuse spouse in marriage. Now, I'm not trying to say that this is like 100% responsible for our problems, right? For some of us, we also have other factors that play into it, maybe because of the home we grew up in, our families of origin, you know, the kind of dynamic that our, our father and our mother had in their own marriage and that type of thing. But, you know, as an adult, when you are programmed with these religious ideas, it doesn't really give you room to question these beliefs and to want to find out for yourself in the scriptures because you trust, you trust these people. You don't think your church 
leaders are lying to you about it, especially when there are all these other Christian books that kind of, you know, support these ideas. So we begin to have a set of beliefs just because of the people who taught it to us, not because we are fully convinced that this is what God actually wants. Isn't that crazy? I think it is. I really do think it is. Um, and then I'll just mention one, one more thing that I think that it's probably one of the most common and biggest ideas that Christian marriage books push apart from this whole love and respect thing is sex. When it comes to sex in marriage, they push sex as something that is like a basic need for men. Like, Oh my goodness. If they don't have it, they're just probably going to die. Right. That, oh, the best thing you can do for your Christian husband is to always be available. Always be available no matter what. Anytime they want it, you just have to give it to them. Because this is just how God has created them. This is how God has made them. This is God. This is how God has wired their bodies. They can't help it. They just have to have it. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be dramatic. You, I'm, I'm telling you, if you... If you are the kind of person who isn't really into books and you've probably never really read marriage books, I'm telling you, you are so blessed. You have less crap to deal with. For those of us that are, are you know, were into this kind of books or are still into this kind of books, it's a lot of work that needs to be done to get this garbage out of our minds. Because they really push this idea, right? That, oh, this is just how God has wired them. And it's just, it's a tough world for a man out there. You know, they face a lot of temptations every day. And, you know, the only thing you can do to help and support them is just to give them sex every time they ask for it. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you just had a baby two weeks ago and your vagina is shredded in pieces. Just do this for your man so he doesn't fall. I'm telling you, that's a lot of BS. Men are, <laughs> we are all, first of all, we are all sexual beings. So this whole thing about oh, sex, sex, sex. Yeah, we women have sexual urges too. Now, if you're generalizing, you could probably say, well, Men generally tend to have more of a sexual, you know, sex drive than women do, but it's not, this isn't textbook stuff, okay? Men can exercise self-control the same way women can, all right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so, it's just... So ridiculous if you ask me and I think this is a disservice to men as well to young men to teenagers because we're raising it's like we're raising this a new breed of you know what's going to be the next generation of Christian men and we're already propagating this lie to them that then they're never going to be able to live without sex. 
like oh their system is just going to be backed up and they're just going to die that's a lot of responsibility to put on a woman don't you think it's a lot of responsibility to put on a woman and the only people who think like this as far as i know are christians there are people that are not even Christians that go without sex for periods of time for whatever reasons. And then we're making it seem like, oh, a man just has to, you know. And then with they, these books tell women that if you don't want your husband to be addicted to pornography, you just have to give him sex all the time. You have to, like, become his pawn. That is such a bunch of baloney. How is that Christ-like? How is that God-like? How is you becoming porn for your husband more acceptable than him watching porn? How is you being a sex object more acceptable than your husband making someone else a sex object? In marriage, you're supposed to be a human being. You're supposed to be valued as a human being. You're not supposed to be anybody's sex object. You're supposed to be valued and cared for as a human being. So, yeah, this episode is getting longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, but let me know what you think. Send me a message on Instagram, on Facebook. If there's anyone who's been, whether you used to read marriage books before you got married or you've been reading marriage books after you got married and you needed help. If you've been seeing patterns in this book that don't make sense to you, that you think just makes you become more victimized in your marriage. Or places the blame on you for what you're going through in your marriage. Let me know. Let's talk about it. Our private Facebook group is at When Marriage Hurts. The Instagram account is at When Marriage Hurts. Um, now, because of time, I didn't really go into what these books typically say about when you're having trouble in your marriage or when your spouse isn't treating you right. Maybe that's something I'll talk about at another time. Um, what I just talked about today are just like this general ideas, you know, that doesn't specifically address abuse, but it pushes ideas that makes that makes it um, almost okay for your husband to abuse you. So let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know. The books you've read and if you feel like they didn't help or they probably made matters worse, I would love to hear from you. And until the next time on the podcast, it's your girl, Ola Davis, and I just want to say, I hope you do have a wonderful week ahead. Bye.